Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. You guys are going to love today. Today's going to be a great day. Uh, We are kicking off a two-part conversation on emotional health and mental health. Um, And, uh, you know, definitely a a topic that I think the church could probably lean into a little bit more. The Bible actually says in in John, the Apostle John says, Hey, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That, That God wants us to not just get by in life. Uh, but flourish in life. And how many of you believe that Jesus is taking care of your spiritual health and that God can also help us with our mental and our emotional health? And so we don't want to just do life and ministry uh, from a depleted place. We want to do life and ministry and career and calling from a full place and a healthy place. One of the things we talk about a lot as a church is we want to be a healthy church. And you can't be a healthy church without having a healthy mentality and, um, and healthy emotions, right? And uh, which sounds really good and sounds very easy in concept, it can be very challenging um, to have healthy uh, mindsets and healthy emotions. So today we want to spend some time and we would like to talk about that. I want to focus on the story of Elijah today and then next week we are going to really dig into how do we walk ourselves through our anxious moments and our anxieties. In fact, if you are in the millennial or Gen Z generation, they estimate that over half of us are struggling regularly with anxiety and depression. So overwhelmingly in our generations, anxiety and depression are the most common and most prevalent uh, just emotional hangups that we are walking through. And so I want to give us some very practical tips next week. Uh, it's going to be based off of a book um, and, and scripture. And how do we get through our anxieties? You ever been in one of those very anxious moments or some of you might just live in that high stress time? You're like, how do I get myself down from that you know, cliff? That's what we're going to talk about next week. But today I want to look at the story of Elijah. Um, and not to put Elijah down because it, it's actually kind of encouraging that even God's best go through bad times. I don't know about you, but as I look at the, the heroes of the Bible, I'm like, okay, they're just like me. They didn't know they were in the Bible. They, they didn't know how their story was going to end out. They're a human being experiencing life. They have highs and they have lows. And so how did God get them through it? And that's what I would like to look at this morning. So if you have uh, your Bibles or if you'd like to follow along, we'll have it on the screens. Um, and I'll be reading it. We're going to read a few passages this morning. Uh, and so a little long for us. Uh, we don't usually read um, maybe more than a few verses, but this, the whole story is so good. And this is from 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get that out. We're going to look at 1 Kings uh, chapter 19 this morning. Uh, and if you if you look at the context of this in 1 Kings 18, Elijah just did some of the greatest miracles that were in the Old Testament. He faced off the prophets of Baal. It was this phenomenal miracle where God showed up. And so clearly it was like you cannot deny that God has showed up and God has moved. Um, and then he prays for rain. And so there had been a long drought, and he prays for rain, and God makes it rain. And then, and then God's spirit comes on him, and he outruns a chariot. So he does this like physically impossible thing. It, God does miracles. He shows up. And then here, so these, these three major things happen in, in the chapter before. And then in 1 Kings 19 in verse 1, like the entire scene switches, and it's like you're looking at a different human being altogether. And so a high, high, and then here in 1 Kings 19, you have a low, low. And let's start reading 
in verse 1. Now Ahab, who was the king of Israel at the time, told Jezebel, who was his wife, everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent out a messenger to Elijah to say this, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. And so she threatens to kill him, right? Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back to him a second time, touched him, and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he went into a cave and spent the night. And then the Lord appears to him and shows up. He says, the word of the Lord came to him and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Remember that. We're going to come back to that. And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. Man, anybody ever just felt like the only one left? Now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about ready to pass by. Um, and then you guys know the story. Uh, there is this, the wind and the earthquake and the fire, right? Uh, but then there's this gentle whisper, right? This gentle whisper. And then in verse 13, it says, Elijah hears it. He pulls his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And I love this. And the voice said to him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, man, I've been very zealous, right? The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, put the prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Verse 15 Go back where you came from. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, and God tells him to anoint three different guys, calls him to anoint Hazael, Jehu, and then Elisha to secede him. And then he says this in verse 18, so profound. He goes, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Now, Elijah, again, he's a major prophet, okay? So he's a big deal. He's, he's one of the major men of God in the Bible. He lives about 900 uh, B.C. before Christ. He has an incredible ministry, ultimately bringing people back into worshiping God, right, from Baal. And so you only have three people in the Bible that are called to a 40-day fast. You have Moses, who gives the law, Elijah, who restores the law, and Jesus, who fulfills the law. So he is a major character, huge ministry, um, high highs, low lows. And here in 1 Kings 19, you have one of God's greatest prophets praying, God, I'm all alone. It's too much. Take my life. He has hit his limit. Have you ever hit your limit? Right? Have you ever just hit your limit where you're like, God, it's too much. I'm all alone. You're not listening. It, you know, whatever it is, this just, this just needs to end. And he gets to such a low place that he literally says, God, I, I want to die. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Um, I, I, I just quit. I'm done. What I want to focus on this morning is now how God ministers to Elijah. What is God's response? And I love it because it's beautiful. It's not anger. God's not petty. God's not condemning him. God begins a process of ministering to Elijah, bringing him back to health. And that's what I would like to look at this morning. In, in sports medicine, there is an acronym called RICE. Anybody play sports back in the day, okay? And you probably are familiar with, with this acronym RICE, and it stands for rest, ice, 
compression, elevation. So if I'm playing uh, a, a sport, if I'm playing football, if I'm running track, and I injure myself, right, if I injure a muscle, I, I pull something, I, I hurt something, uh, what, what do they want me to do to get better, right? Uh, well, I need to rest the muscle. How many of you know the worst thing you can do is keep running on a damaged muscle? And so then I should ice it, compression, and then, you know, prop the leg up, right? You, you want to do elevation. We all understand this about the body, but for so many of us, we've been running on a wounded soul for a long time. Mm, come on, this is good. We'll, we'll injure ourselves spiritually, and we demand that we keep the same pace. We go through a pain emotionally, and we just keep on forcing our soul to keep pushing the same amount of weight, and we're hurting, and we need rest. What does God do when he first comes to Elijah? He gives him food. Go back to bed, Elijah. What is God doing? God is giving him rest. I like what one pastor said, never underestimate the power of a nap and a snack. And I think there's something so profound about that. If I can just go to bed in the morning, it may not be so bad. You ever, you ever had those moments where one night you're ready to throw in the towel, and by the next morning you're like, okay, it's not that bad. I just needed you know, breakfast and, and some sleep. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest is spiritual, and it's necessary your soul needs rest. When you are wounded, you need rest. You need a snack and a nap. You need to get some rest. I love this quote by Will Rogers, and it says, if you find yourself in a ditch, the first thing you have to do is put the shovel down. Sometimes we just keep on pushing, and we really just need to give it some rest. I think sometimes the best thing you can do in marriage is stop the argument and give it a night and get some rest. This, this last week, um, it was a, a fun and busy week. Obviously, Easter is Easter, and it's awesome, and it's chaotic, and there's lots of energy, and we did amazing. And uh, Can we just give it up for all of our servant leaders? Just last week, working so hard, and two services, and packed the house out twice. It was great. It was super fun. Um, and, uh, and so just high energy, and then I, I go right from that. I take two days off, and I ride motorcycles with my dad. We rode down to the Everglades, rode to Key West and back, and it was an awesome trip. Wednesday, I worked a little bit, and then Thursday, we leave for uh, a wedding. One of our best friends uh, got married this weekend in Oklahoma City, and so we fly in there, rehearsal dinner, and they want me to, um, you know, it was so, it was so funny. Uh, we've been friends for 18 years, but the, but the person that they were going to have marry them couldn't make it, and so like, hey, would you do it? And I'm like, okay, you know, because I love you, I'll slide this in there, even though I was your second pick, okay? And so, but it was a beautiful wedding and there's 300 people there. And so I got to get ready for this. And then, you know, and then, man, we, we had the twins with us. So it was, it was crazy. It was chaotic. Um, and on Wednesday, we're trying to work a little bit. And Alyssa and I had the best fight we have had all year long so far. Okay. Like, and, you know, first of all, pastors don't have fights with their spouses. They have intense fellowship. Okay. We had the most intense fellowship We've had all year long, somehow we fit it in between a half a day's of work and a half a day's watch the kids. We had just enough time to have a really good argument. And, and, and we got to the point in the argument where we had reached a stalemate, right? Like she had given all of her reasons. I had given all of my reasons. And we got somewhere here and we just 
couldn't get it. And then she gets to this point and she goes, fine, I'm done talking about it. We're over. And my wife does this thing and she's, she's Italian for those of you that know her. And I can't stand it. When Italians start arguing, they start using their hands. And so first of all, I know I'm in trouble when she starts doing this thing. It's like an Italian thing. And so when the hands come out, like I know my wife is starting to escalate, right? And so she's like, she does this thing. And then she gets to the point in argument and she does this out of nine out of 10 arguments, the thing that it gets me the most. She goes, fine. And she does this thing with her hands. So it's just like, like this. Yeah, she's like, I wash my hands of this. We're done. And she does this thing where she's mad and she's emotional. She does this clap thing and she goes, I, we're done arguing. And now how many, those of you that are married, you know that now the argument is no longer about the argument. Now the argument is who has the power to end the argument, right? Because there's something powerful about the last word in an argument, right? Now it's no longer about who's right or wrong. It's like, no, who has the power to end this argument? Because I am not going out with it's over, you know? And so, and so now the argument is about five minutes of who gets to actually end the argument. And finally, we reach the, the point where we're like, fine, let's just give it a break. Let's just give it a, a rest, right? If you want out of the ditch, the first thing you have to do is just put down the shovel. And, and then by the next morning, we're like, all right, I do like you. You know, like it's not as bad as what it was uh, the day before we just needed to give it some rest. My married couples, I think sometimes the best thing you can do is put on the comedy, even in separate rooms if you have to, and just go to bed and give it some rest. My, my pastor, who's been my pastor, I've been blessed, I've the same pastor over, over my life for 18 years, uh, he has his own acronym and he calls it STOP. If you are sick, tired, overwhelmed, or in pain, stop. Give it a break. Give it rest. If you're not feeling good, hey, guess what? Your, your body's tired. If you feel overwhelmed, if, if you feel that sense of just stop and give it rest. Your soul needs rest. Rest is spiritual. Um, I love that, that God comes in and the first thing he does is he meets Elijah's immediate needs. And he goes, Elijah, you've just had a high, high, my man. You need rest. You need a snack and a nap. You need to take a break. You need to come down. You need to go to bed. You know, he doesn't come in and say, how could you do this? You're too holy for this. You know, how, you, you know, come on, Elijah. You know you're just being emotional. He doesn't come in with condemnation. He doesn't come in with anger. He says, Elijah, this is where you are at right now. Let's meet your immediate need and let's give it rest, which is such a good picture of us ministering to other people. I think so often we go into people in their situations and we're like, hey, come up to my level. Instead, we ought to go down to their level, amen, and meet them where they are at. You know, and because you can't, how many of you know when you're emotional, you can't think logically, right? It's not about logic anymore. It's about how I feel. I need to be understood. I need to be met where I'm actually at. This is exactly what God does to Elijah. He comes down to his level. He says, hey, my man, you need food and you need sleep. Let's, let's rest. Let's give it a break. When Elijah begins to cover, God has to go on this journey, right? And the next thing that God does, and I, and I love this, he asks Elijah a very powerful question, doesn't he? Elijah, what are we doing here? In other words, how did you get here, my man? Um, how, do, how do you think you got here? Uh, what, what are we doing here? What, what's this about? Where, why did you get in such a crazy, negative, mental and, and emotional space? You know, and I and I kind of think that's where God is going because I can because of Elijah's response. If, if you look at Elijah's response, he goes, "Hey, I'm the only one left. I'm isolated. 
It's not going well. You know, people are difficult. Um, you know, it's, it's, they, they want to kill me. And he's thinking about the, the threat on his life, the stressor. He's thinking about the isolation. He's thinking about that it's not going well. But I love this. God has him talk about it. God has him talk about it. Psychologists will tell us that when we choose to stuff all of that negative emotion on the inside, it eventually comes out as anxiety and depression anyway. There's something very powerful about me saying, how did I get here? And if I, if I can be honest with us mentally and emotionally right now, you know, when, when you figure out how you get somewhere, you can often build a pathway out of there mentally and emotionally. You know, if I go back to that intense fellowship with my wife this week, I'm like, how did we get there? You know, and I'm like, okay, I probably shouldn't have said it this way. She probably shouldn't have loaded it like that. I, I, I could see that I was unloving here. I could see that she was disrespectful there. And we can begin to walk ourselves back out, uh, out of it a little bit. I think for some of us, it's good to just stop and be like, how in the world did my mind get to this place? How many of you know that your mind is like a garden? And, and, and it really does. Emotions follow thoughts, don't they? If you're thinking about your stressor, if you're thinking about the thing that makes you anxious, and you're thinking about that frustration, all of a sudden my emotions begin to get tanked, right? My mind is like a garden, and i got to plant the right things. I've got to plant God's word. I've got to plant joy. I've got to plant peace. I've got I've to plant these things. Uh, but how many know that gardens also grow weeds? And weeds grow fast. They can pop up overnight, and you're like, how did I get so many weeds? And so not only do I have to plant the right things in my mind, I have to pull the wrong things. I've got to pull the wrong words. I've got to pull my pettiness. I've got to pull these things out of my mind because my emotions are going to respond to what I'm focusing on. And here in this moment in, in, in 1 Kings 19, you have Elijah focusing on the threats, the stressors, the isolation. He's focusing on himself even. The weeds have taken over and his mind is totally fixated on that. Even though God is talking to him and meeting his need, he hasn't quite crossed over with, God, I trust you. I mean, you're right here for crying out loud. If the God of the universe wants to protect me, he can do that. He hasn't even gotten there yet. He's given more power to his stressor than he is the God who's backing him. And I think sometimes, even though that we've been following Jesus for 20, 30 years, or 10 years, or 5 years, we do that, don't we? A stressor comes up, we're like, oh God, you've abandoned me, I'm going to die. How am I going to pay rent? It's like God has empowered you to pay rent the last five years. How am I going to do it this month? You know, it, we all do this. God, the spouse you gave me, they can't stand me. You know, and it's like, how do we ever get through this? It's like, hey, it's, it's okay. You're, you're going to get there. We lean into that anxious moment. We lean into that stressor. And it's like we forget who our father is and that he's got us this far so far. And so God has Elijah talk about it. Elijah, give voice to what's bothering you so much. Let's, let's talk about this. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. In the Amplified, I like it even more. It says, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all those worries and concerns once and for all on him. He cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you carefully. God is inviting you to talk to him about it. He's inviting you to talk to those that are safe and those that are around you. He's inviting you to talk to him about it. What is on your heart? What's on your mind? What's bothering you, Elijah? Let's address it 
and let's talk about it. Uh, when you deal with stress and anxiety, it typically comes out in two ways in an unhealthy way for us as human beings. One is anger. When you get hit with stress, anxiety, uh, depression, uh, we can flip and we get angry about it. When you get into an argument with your spouse, some of you will get angry and you're like, that's how I'm going to win the argument. I'm going to one-up my spouse. I'm going to shout a little louder. You know, I'm, I'm going I'm to stomp a little bit more. I'm, I'm going to make a verbal threat that might just be a one notch above the last thing you just told me. Others of us, we go the opposite of anger. We go avoidance right? So we, we have a stressor. We've got something anxious. We've got an argument with our spouse. We're like, I'm avoiding conflict at all costs. I'm going to shove everything in here in an unhealthy way. Um, and we don't want to go either way. We don't want to go anger. Uh, we don't want to go avoidance. We want to address. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, he was amazing at addressing conflict in a healthy way. He goes, let's, let's talk about this. Let's address this. I don't need to get angry in an ungodly way, and I don't need to avoid it. I want to address this in a godly and in a healthy way. Even the best of us get, get lost in this. And this is why I want to lean into John 16, 33. I love this. Jesus said, I've told you these things that you might have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. When you and I face anxiety, when we face anger, when we face avoidance and all these things, we have a choice. I can put faith in my stressor or I can put faith in my savior. I can put faith in my stressor or I can put faith in my savior. Where am I placing my faith at the end? Elijah switches eventually. I, I can't just put faith in Jezebel's word. I've got to put faith in God's word. That's what gets me out. Now, before, as I wind down, before God lets Elijah go, he, he reminds him of two things as he closes out. Um, and, and these two things effectively get Elijah out of his dark place where he literally wants to die and gets him back in ministry and gets him back into a healthy place. And those two things are this. God reminds Elijah, you're not alone. You are not alone. Elijah's like, I'm totally isolated. It's just me. Nobody else understands what I'm going through. Nobody else is doing what I'm doing. God says, actually, you're not alone. I got 7,000 right here on the side you didn't even know about. You're not isolated. You're not alone. Isolation is not a healthy place. It's not a godly place for us to be in. And, and I, how many of you know that isolation begins with an I? Okay, you and I have a decision. Do I want to search out for community and connection, or do I want to isolate myself and my problems? It begins with me. It begins with an I. What's my decision? I, I, I don't want to live an isolated life. You and I were meant for connection, and we were meant for community. One of the great aspects of church is coming together just to remind each other you're not alone. You're not the only one that's having marriage troubles. You're not the only one trying to find a good spouse. You're not the only one trying to conquer your anger, right? You're not the only one trying to overcome lust. You're, you're not the only one frustrated about finances and trying to make rent. There is something about knowing that other believers are suffering a little bit that just feels good. Oh God, it's not just me. Someone else has a challenge too. In fact, when Peter writes to the early church, he said, hey, I know you're suffering just like your brothers and sisters all over the ancient world. We're all going through something. I need to be reminded when I feel like God's not listening to my prayers, somebody else feels like God's not listening to their prayers. I'm not the only one struggling or fighting through life. Amen. Therefore, I don't want to be isolated. Because when I'm isolated, it's all about me. That I leads isolation. I need community. 
both for encouragement and humility. Come on, somebody. When we're left to our own devices, we just make our whole world about ourselves. I don't want to live a self-centric life. I want to live a God-centric and community-centric life. Amen. The other thing that God does as I wind down, he reminds Elijah that there's more people that need him. He says, hey, man, before I'm done, go anoint these three men. Because guess what, Elijah? They need you. They need your ministry. They need your love. I need you. Israel needs you. What does God do? He flips the script on Elijah, and he doesn't make it about Elijah anymore. He makes it about other people. There's something about when you and I are in pain, when we're overwhelmed with anxiety, if we can flip that script, and and all of a sudden, and there's something very profound here, but how do I give purpose to my pain? Because I don't want to just sit in the pain that God has entrusted me. I want to give purpose to my pain, and I want to make it about other people. The challenges that I have gone through in ministry, you know what that's given me? A soft heart. And so I'll call other pastors, and I'll say, hey, how are you really doing for real? Come on, I know you felt really good at Easter when everybody was there, but I knew this Sunday was coming where it's not going to be at two packed services, right? So how are you really doing? How's your mind? How's your emotions? How's your marriage? And it's given me a soft heart toward other pastors. What have you gone through? God often will give you a soft heart for others in the same place that you were hurt. As God heals you, can God move through you to heal others? See, for those of you that are in here today and you're married, you understand what marriage is like. It's a blessing and it's a battleground. Come on, somebody, right? Like it, it's, my dad and I were riding in the Everglades and uh, we're, we're coming back out and there was this beautiful storm in the distance. I mean, just a beautiful storm. You could see it develop and there was this massive rainbow that went all the way across the sky and it was just beautiful. Five minutes later, we are in a downpour. I mean, we are getting soaked. There was not a dry spot left. We're riding our motorcycles at an angle like this, fighting the wind. And it was really fun. Don't tell my wife that, okay? She'll never let me ride again. But, and and, I, and I, I had this, because I, I was thinking about, you know, I got to go do this message on marriage and all these things, you know. And, and of course, I just had this fight with my wife like 24 hours before, and I've got to go and talk about how wonderful marriage is and how much you're in love and let's get married. And God really sets things up for you sometimes in an ironic way. And, you know, and I was thinking about this storm, and I just thought, this is a picture of marriage. The same storm brings rainbows and rain, and there's nothing I can do about it. It's both. See, all my married people, you can just smile and laugh. Okay, we're all, we're all doing marriage. Those of you that are single in here today and you want to find somebody good and you can't seem to find anybody good, how can you help heal other people as you go through your hurts? Those of you that are going through your own mental and emotional struggles or those of you that are trying to pay rent or those of you that are, have your business challenges, like how, how is I am hurting? How do I receive healing? And then how do I become an agent of healing? How do I make this about other people? How do I give purpose to my pain so I don't just sit? And he says, Elijah, get up and go, man, and go anoint these other people because they need you. Guess what, guys? People need your business. They need your ministry. Come on, your spouse needs you. Your kids need you. You you gotta stay in this fight. You gotta keep on going. You can't just quit and make this whole thing about you. It's about the people around you that need you. Amen. Now I'm starting to preach. I want to put some life on the inside of you because I know how life is. It can get discouraging. 
And that's why you got to keep on going because others need you, who you are, both your, your highs and your lows, the, the blessings and the burdens that you've had to struggle. They need to know it's not just them wading through these waters, that you've gone there, you've gone before, and you understand you have grace for them. Amen. This world needs you. It needs you. As I close this morning, a few very powerful questions for us because we want to be a healthy church. Being a healthy church isn't just in teaching and preaching, but it's in living the word. In fact, I don't think the sermon really starts until Monday morning. That's when you apply it and you walk it out. And so I have a few very powerful questions for us this morning. Number one, do you need to stop and rest? Sick, tired, overwhelmed, or in pain, do you need to stop and rest? Is there an area of your life you need to put the shovel down? Is it finally time to stop beating yourself up over what you did a year ago or five years ago or beating yourself up over who you think you're not or what you don't have? That Nothing good happens when we just beat ourselves up. God doesn't beat us up mentally and emotionally. Isn't that a beautiful thought? God's not beating us up. I, I don't know what all the challenges you had through in your upbringing, but I know that your heavenly father you know, is not sitting here this morning condemning you and beating you up and trying to put pressure on you. He loves you. He didn't come to Elijah to condemn him. He said, man, let's rest. Rest is spiritual. Do you need to rest? Number two, is there somebody that you need to talk with? Is there, is there a safe person in your life? As a church, we have a connection to the Sheridan House. Uh, in fact, if you feel this morning that you would like some counseling, our church is able to offer the first few sessions for you for free. That's one of the ministries that we provide because we want to make sure that everyone has a chance of getting healthier. Uh, if, you, if you want my number, I'll give it to you this morning. I can definitely give you biblical advice. I'm not a professional counselor, but I can give you some perspective. But if you want real counseling, hey, guess what? We can offer that as well too. Do you need to talk to a friend? Do you need to talk to a family member? Do you got a circle around you and you've kept yourself in isolation, you know, for fear of shame or guilt or whatever, and really you just need to talk about it. You need to say, how did I get here? I need to give voice to that thing this week. Number three, have you allowed people into your life? Sometimes we go through things because we keep ourselves closed in the closet and it's a dark, isolated place, and we've not let people in our circle to share our life with us because we're afraid of hurt or pain or rejection. If, you know, I had a great-grandfather, and I loved, I loved this advice. He said, if you can count your close friends on one hand, you've had a blessed life. Do you have a few people in your life right now that you can share some life with? If you're isolated, one of the first things I would tell you to do in this next season is join a small group. Get in a lift group. Meet some people, start sharing, take some bold steps. Might you get rejected? Maybe, but you might also find some really life-giving friends, which is even more important. It's worth the risk, amen? And so have you let some people into your life? And the last question this morning, have you assigned purpose to your pain? Have you assigned purpose to your pain? If you and your spouse are trying to work through some things out, have you put some purpose down to it? If you're feeling alone and you'll never get married, have you put some purpose to it, right? If you're struggling right now and you don't know how to upgrade your career, have you put some purpose to your pain? We're not the only ones struggling. There's a lot of other people out there that need you. Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today's message. I knew it was a teaching. I know it was more chill, but I believe it was something we all really needed to hear. We want to be a healthy church. We don't want to do life 
from a depleted state. We want to do life from a full and a healthy place, a place of flourishing. And God, your word definitely has the power and the knowledge and the wisdom to bring us there. And so, Father, we thank you that you didn't look down on Elijah, but you got him back to a healthy place. And then you went on to use him for more years. And so, Father, we thank you that those of us that maybe are in here this morning and we're hurting, maybe we've isolated ourselves, maybe we've beat ourselves up, maybe we are just running on a wounded soul. Father, I just ask that you would stretch out your hand and you would heal this morning, that you would restore this morning, that you would give that spiritual rest this morning. And God, you would bring us back to a healthy place, restoring us so that we might go and reach others. In Jesus' amazing name we pray. Amen, amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.